We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What a night in college basketball, and we're here to recap it on the Field of 68 After Dark. I'm John Fanta. Carter Elliott is with us tonight. The one and only Randolph Childress RC is with us tonight, and we have a loaded show for you in the next hour. We have Alabama star Javon Quinterly, who had 17 points off the bench tonight as the Crimson Tide get a top 15 win over LSU. Plus, another top 15 team went down. Villanova? Losing at the Finneran Pavilion? A shocker on the main line. Justin Lewis, Marquette star, had 21 points. He will join us from the bus coming up on After Dark. Kentucky gets a win over Texas A&M. Auburn rolling and will be on Sirius XM Channel 84 coming up after Auburn and Georgia. But gentlemen, good evening. Just another example of you never know what's going to happen in college basketball, and that's where we lead off. Villanova, for just the second time since the 2013-14 season, has lost a Big East home game at the Finner and Pavilion. RC, how did Marquette pull off this big upset? I thought they defended well. We knew they were going to defend. I mean, Shaka teams always defend, right? But I I thought they defended a three-point line, and more importantly, they defended a three, and they didn't give up free throws. Right. This game didn't have a lot of free throws in it, and, and they only gave up five. Usually, Villanova gets threes. They get to the rim. They get to the free throw line. They hurt you in all three phases of the night, and I thought they took away two of those things. Carter, your biggest takeaway, it was this for you, more about Marquette, and, and they're five straight wins. I mean, I think they're an NCAA tournament team. They're top 40 in the net. They have four quad one wins. Or where do you side? Is this more something revealed about Villanova? No, I think this revealed a lot about Marquette for me. I don't necessarily see this game as one where Villanova is really missing easy shots. I just think Marquette made it tough as hell for them. I mean, we talked about it earlier in the year, Fanta. This Marquette team is going to have a chance every single night because when they take the floor, they play extremely hard and they lock in on the defensive end. And that starts with what Shaka is telling them over there and teaching them. So this was just a classic Marquette slugfest. And they went out there and they clamped up Villanova. It was a great game. Here's my biggest thing. In... in general terms before this game tips off tonight Marquette comes into this game winning four in a row they were 0-3 in Big East play could have been easy to lie down in fact in the previous regime they played a lot of close games and they simply could not finish and I thought at times in games they just gave in this is 
the example of sometimes a coach needs to find his right fit to flourish. And it's not necessarily about a coach's inabilities. Shaka Smart could always coach. Folks, you don't get Virginia Commonwealth to a Final Four if you don't have an ability to coach. So the doubts that were fired up at Texas, to me, the Shaka Smart-Texas breakup was more about Texas and the fact that Rick Barnes eventually that, he that hit ended the game-winning shot for the and Marquette Rick Golden Eagles coach. who beat Villanova 57-54. I'm talking about Justin Lewis who had 21 have points to fit in this correctly. win. Justin, We're seeing Chris Beard right now have issues trying to make it all come to fruition. Shot, the game winner down in Austin for you and your Golden Eagles. Shaka Smart at Marquette in his uh, home state of Wisconsin. In the previous huddles, uh, in the Big the East, I, mean, I feel like it fits. I feel like uh, he can be I'm king of the hill at Marquette University, others, a program and, uh, that spends resources on college basketball like few do. They spend a lot of money on that sport, and they have a high standard in that sport. To be picked ninth in the Big East, though, in what was supposed to be a rebuilding season, and to now be right near the top of this conference and winning five in a row in a league that could very well send seven to the NCAA tournament, RC, that's Big East Coach of the Year stuff, and it is a coach who had a fire lit under him because people saw him lose to Abilene Christian, and immediately they develop a hot take of, this guy can't get it done. Shaka Smart is here to tell you tonight, he's back. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think any. I don't think anybody really. You know, if you know Shaka, you didn't doubt him. I, I I found that hard to believe that people would doubt him. I know the rumors and the whispers out there, but again, I mean, us, us in the in the sport know Texas just has some unrealistic expectations. I don't know when they became a, a national contender. This isn't football with the expectations. I know everything in Texas is supposed to mean more in that aspect, but I mean, he he just got the right fit now. I mean, he's at a program now where basketball is a focus. It's not a football school. He's going to have unlimited resources, and it's just going to be about basketball. No one leads his young men any better than he does. So there's no reason to think that he's not going to succeed. I just think from what happened in Texas, everyone was just assuming that, all right, like, you know, he wasn't the shiny new toy anymore. He didn't have the shiny coming from, you know, VCU that he did coming from Texas now. And so, you know, the expectations were lower, but make no mistake about it. Anyone who was around knew he was going to get this thing going. Maybe not this fast. But I think anyone, everyone kind of knew he got, he's going to have an area to recruit. He got recruiting was never an issue. Getting talent was never an issue. And he's going to get that done at Marquette and going to get it rolling. Hmm. Yeah, no, I was just going to say it's a situation with Shaka where we always talk about, in the, especially in today's landscape of college basketball, kids transferring and needing a change of scenery. I just think it was a time for, for Shaka Smart to get a change of scenery. That goes for coaches as well. So it was a situation where I think both Texas and Shaka himself just needed a change of scenery. And you can see that it's working well for them. And I just think this, this Shaka smart team is literally just all Shaka right now. He, you can see the intensity in his eyes. His players want to play for him. It's like one of the beauties and the pure things about college basketball. When you have a team that just wants to play for their coach really hard. I'll say this also, I wondered, will the change in Marquette change the way he recruits philosophy? When he went to Texas, you started seeing him going more for the one and done guys, right? And that was different. Now you're going to get transfers. This seems to fit shock at that aspect. It, no one can build unless you're going to, you, you get into the one and done era. You're going to have to get them every year mm. in order to sustain it. I just felt like getting the transfers in there, maybe mixing a few of those guys in there is the way he'll do it. But in Texas, I thought he went more the one and done. He got the pros. They just didn't stick around long enough to kind of, 
turn it around the way the expectations were. Justin Lewis goes for 21 points in this game. He'll be coming up on After Dark in this hour. So if you're a Marquette fan, you got to stay tuned for that interview. I was super impressed with, with his answers. And it's hard to go through a coaching transition after your freshman season. I mean, RC, that, that could have been real easy for him to get up and leave. And here, Justin Lewis is a guy that America may be sleeping on. He, he has 21-7 and seven tonight against Villanova, who's been defending better as of late. A couple weeks ago against Providence, against a lengthy Providence team, he went for 23-11. and 11. Kid from Baltimore can play. And he's 6'7". He plays bigger than 6'7", but it has the quickness as well. Folks, put it, put it on notice. Justin Lewis is one of the better forwards in this sport right now. He's performing that way. And it, it could have been easy for this to come in a different uniform. And I give the kid props. In a time where everybody's switching their destinations, he stayed. He, he's the ultimate example of a guy who bought into what Shaka was selling. This happened pretty quickly, too. I, I thought this was one of the early, you know, the transition from leaving Texas and getting into Marquette. I, I think Shaka knew he wanted to get this done to get in there to try to keep some of that talent that he could and get the transfers coming in to try to recruit. So this this one didn't linger, you know, linger long. So Shaka getting in there, him staying, didn't come as a surprise. Once Shaka gets in front of you, it's hard to tell him no. Hmm. Yeah, it's and it's fun seeing Justin Lewis put it together because the talent has always been there, right? Coming into Marquette, people saw the tools, the intangibles he had, and now he's starting to put it together. He's starting to have big games like this on big stages when big time shots are needed, and those are the moments that you need. And that's why Justin Lewis is going to start becoming a name. I mean, people know him in college basketball, but it's moments like this that you look back on, knocking off a Villanova team that's playing really good basketball right now, and you have a game like that. So. Uh, you know, I'm happy for him. It's great, you know, to see him get more some more recognition because I think he's a really good player. Greg Elliott goes for 14 points tonight, and I thought off the bench, again, provided a spark. Shaka Smart's been able to unlayer stuff about Greg Elliott that, that we haven't seen beforehand. And then I, I look at Villanova. Wildcats, they were on a roll. They had won six in a row. They're now 13-5. and five. And just when you thought, hey, this team needs to jump back into our conversation of, could they be a team that gets to New Orleans? Could they be that type of group? You, you win six in a row in this sport, you, you're going to start to get that notoriety. Colin Gillespie, four of 13 tonight from the field. And Justin Moore, five of 13. Those two are, they're the, they got to stir the drink. Those two go a combined nine for 26. And it's, it's something, Villanova only lost the game by three. But it just shows you, Villanova needs Gillespie and more. And tonight they just, they were off kilter. They did not have it in this game. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's not the nine for 26 as much for me because every basketball player has off shooting nights. It's nights like this though, where you got to find a way to win the game, no matter what, like when you have a player with the ability of a con Gillespie and you have the player with the ability of a more, if you're having an off shooting night or things aren't going your way, and Marquette's playing extremely well, you got to find a way to win this basketball game, whether that's getting to the free throw line, whether that's setting up other people to win the basketball game. But it's nights like this when that little adversity comes down the stretch when you need to stand up tall, you know, be a Villanova player and make a play to win the game. And unfortunately, they weren't able to make those plays tonight. And credit to Marquette because players like Justin Lewis were able to make those plays. I want to add, what happened to Brandon Slater? You guys remember a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month or so ago, we were talking, you know, we we, we would – we were calling this a breakout year for him. And 
and I'm not judging him off this game. I mean, I, I know the young man, and I know he's a talented player, but he was a non-factor out there tonight. And someone of his abilities that we were we were calling, saying that we were rewarding him, saying, hey, he stuck around, he waited his turn, and tonight he just didn't give him much. And, and that hurt them. I mean, if you know, Moore is going to draw a lot of attention. Gillespie, we know that. Eric Dixon played well tonight, good enough for those guys to, you know, to carry his load. Yeah. But they got to get something consistent out of Brandon Slater. He has to be more productive the way he the way he started the season. Yeah, well said. I mean, they they planned on having him be a, a complimentary guy. Yeah. And the other thing is this, Jermaine Samuels has been playing a little bit banged up this season. Not at full strength, not at 100%, and I think it shows. I mean, Eric Dixon, if not for Eric Dixon, uh, Villanova would be in, a, in, in, in some trouble. They have needed him in yeah. every way, right? Yeah, that's always been the position, though, that they've gotten production out of that's a mismatch. That he can guard your five, and then he does things on a perimeter and does things within a game to exploit your center. And that was always a big advantage that they have. And if he's playing at a high level, they'll, they'll make some noise come March. Yeah. Hey, tell you what, uh, we are heading to Sirius XM very soon, Channel 84. For those of you watching on YouTube, we will do Q&As throughout the show. We even have After Dark Afters, <laughs> which means when we get past midnight, and I want Carter Elliott past midnight, Cardi E, could, that could turn into anything. That could turn into anything, right, Cart? Once we get facts. some questions for you after midnight, man? No, that's facts. Everyone knows that. <laughs> All right. I might have a question for you about Michigan State. I might, I might oh, jump in with a question. Yeah. <laughs> we got that, that coming up too. Hey, you know, I, I think we would all agree it's Villanova's to lose until someone takes it from them. Who's the second best team in the Big East? The question I'm still is, riding they, with Seton, I'm still riding with Seton Hall. Oh, go ahead, RC. No, no, I'm saying are, are they? Are, we're handing it over to them. Are they actually, you think they're the best team? I think they're vulnerable this year. I think Seton Hall, I'm still riding with Seton Hall. I think Seton Hall healthy and that they get off that COVID. You know, they came off COVID. A lot of guys catch a COVID. I think once they get it together, I just love the I love the guard playing that team. Roden, Aiken has been coming on this year. I still really love that Seton Hall team. I'm not all the way out on them. I think they're going to hit their stride coming up here. Mm. Mm. I know Rob won't like this. I, I, I want to say the Huskies, I can't do it. All right. <laughs> I can't. All right. I can't jump on the Huskies bandwagon. I, I don't see yeah. them challenging right now. Well, what a night in college basketball. What a night in college basketball. We are live on Field of 68 after dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. John Fanta with you. The great Randolph Childress RC is here with you. Carter Elliott as well. We're breaking down hoops throughout the next 45 minutes here on Sirius XM Channel 84. It is wonderful to have you all with us after Auburn rolls past Georgia. The Tigers, could they be the best team in America? Should they have been number one in Monday's poll? We'll talk a little bit about that. But folks, the headliner in college basketball tonight, Villanova. Loses at the Finneran Pavilion for the first time in over four years. A shocker as Marquette beats the 11th-ranked Wildcats 57-54. to Justin Lewis delivered what turned out to be the game-winning three from the top of the key in the final seconds. 
and the Golden Eagles get their first win at the Pavilion in 10 tries. Justin joins us from the bus. He did that earlier here. Now the exclusive with the Marquette Star here on Sirius Channel 8. He hit the game-winning shot for the Marquette Golden Eagles, who beat Villanova 57-54. to I'm talking about Justin Lewis, who had 21 points in this win. Justin, take us through that last shot, the game-winner for you and your Golden Eagles. Uh, <clears throat> in the previous huddles, uh, give me the ball. I, mean, I feel like, I feel like uh, I'm unselfish enough to make plays for myself and others. And uh, I mean, I, he got a little hand on it, but I, my, my motive was uh, I'm going to get this shot off. Or if they step up, try to take a charge, I'm, I'm dishing because my uh, the shoot, Greg Elliott, my shooter, told me he had me corner. So. Did you know the shot was going in? That was a difficult shot. Now, you, you, you know, you had one hand on the ground. You guys tripped coming off the dribble handoff. Did you have any idea? Of course, you were shooting. Did you think it was going in? I just so I just watched the the highlight. The last the last set dribble helped me kind of get myself together, like take a little breath. And I mean, I just shot it. Justin, for you to go through everything over an off season in which there's a coaching change at Marquette, and, and in no way are we looking against what was happening before, but to now win at the Finneran Pavilion for the first time ever, to win five straight Big East games. What can you say about Shaka Smart and the difference that he's made with Marquette basketball? The way, the way Coach is, the way he, the way he thinks, the way he acts, um, he, he tells us all, all the time, we must act and respond like champions before we do anything. And that's kind of what we, what we carry out each and every day. He challenges, he never lets, like it's never a day goes by where he just let us ease in and tiptoe. Uh, our theme for this game was take the fight to them. And I feel like that's what we did. I mean, we were kind of in the low 50s. That's not usually how we play or want to do. But, I mean, we just stayed and floored the whole way. We were down nine, up up a little bit as well. And we just – we stayed with each other. We looked at each other in the huddle. And I seen it in my teammates' eyes that we're not letting this game slip out of our hands. So. What's been the biggest adjustment for you in this transition with the coach staff? How, and we know that never is the transition easy, right? But what's been the most difficult part of the transition for you? Uh, I don't, I don't really feel like it's been that difficult. You know, I mean, I build the relationship with the guys. They trust me. Uh, I trust them. And, and uh, it's, it's, it's very transactional. I can say how I feel. And they tell me if, if I sometimes, if, if I'm not, I mean, me and Coach B, my peers all the time. He wins all, he wins all the time. But I mean, at the end of the day, he has the best interest at heart for everybody on the team. And I mean, it's just, it's just fun to know that I have somebody that's going to have my back no matter what the result is. So. What was the scene? They look like an unstoppable force. And, and let's talk about those Auburn Tigers right now. Randolph Carter, a blowout win over Georgia, one that was expected. Randolph, do you believe that Auburn is the best team in college basketball right now? And if so, why? I'm still going to lean toward Gonzaga. Okay. But it's one and one A. 
Um, I, I won't argue against anyone that says they are. I, I think they're talent-wise, they're as good as anybody. I, I think Jabari Smith is, you know, he he's the, the freshman that we, we gave so much credit to Chet and Paolo, and he's the one that stepped up right now that has some people talking that he may be the number one pick in the draft. He's been unguardable so far, shooting it at a high clip, scoring at all three levels. Their guard play has been great. They have just been – Kessler has – I didn't see this coming. He, he, he wasn't this kid at Carolina. Now he's protecting the rim. He's blocking shots. He's finishing. I mean, he had 15. He had six blocks tonight. Mm. I mean, he is – he stepped up big time. So I won't argue it. They're defending and they're scoring off their defense. I, I, I can't argue if anyone says that they're the number one team in the country. Yeah, right now I think they, they are the number one team in the country. Uh, like RC, I think that moving forward, though, I'm leaning Gonzaga. Yeah. But, I mean, you just can't argue with this Auburn team. Coming into the year, the biggest question mark was that point guard and what you were going to get in Kessler at center. And those have both been answered this year. KD Johnson is just an absolute winner. Just That's, that's literally what I think of. Toughness, winner, going to do whatever it takes. And then you have a top three, maybe argument for number one draft pick in Jabari Smith. And then Bruce Pearl is doing an absolutely great job coaching this team as well, because I think this team could sometimes get out of control or even wild just because of their style of play. But I think that Bruce Pearl does a good job of kind of containing their chaos. I, I, I just call it contained chaos. Is that what I kind of think when I think Auburn basketball? Um, and it's a beautiful thing to watch right now. They're playing extremely great well well oiled well run basketball machine right now you know what i say i I think that they're different when i watch a lot of a lot of college basketball right now is they have a bench and watching so many teams right now a lot of people they do not have depth and this team has depth i mean no one replaces you know jabari or the, the the elite talent guys but they got a lot of quality depth on this team. That's going to be a tough out, tough outcome later in the tournament. To that point, Wendell Green Jr. might be the best reserve guard in college basketball right now. 12 points, 11 assists off the bench. 11 assists. It is time to crown Auburn. And I'm not prematurely doing it. <laughs> I think it is time. And I got to tell you guys, I hope that I eat my words for the people in Spokane and for Mark Few's sake. But I have reached this point with Gonzaga where I've seen them take on two quicker-paced teams. And I've seen them have issues with Alabama, who got them in in transition, who got them in an up-and-down game. They struggled with that. I saw Duke put them in a bit of a blender and lift the pace of that game. Auburn could do the same thing. And they keep coming at you. They don't need just their starters to deliver. Like, if you look at their starting lineup, they have a, a Jasper starting for them. Their better guard is coming in off the bench. But that's how you win games, when after a four minute segment, you can bring a Wendell Green Jr. and the other guys are huffing and puffing. Alan Flanagan understands his role. They have a great role recognition. Katie Johnson understands what he needs to do. And what I like about this team is their sacrifice is being made for the betterment of everybody. Jabari Smith tonight did not have his best game. He goes for 12 points and seven rebounds. 
But what I like about the freshman is he knows what he's really good at, and he follows those strengths. And that's the mark of a well-coached team. The Auburn Tigers are playing the best basketball in the country right now. And it is very difficult for me to put Gonzaga in the number one slot, knowing that they lost to Alabama and Duke, knowing the way they lost to Alabama, and understanding the fact that beating up on the WCC is not the same as what Auburn has done over the last couple of weeks in a very, very tough Southeastern Conference. Yeah, for me, though, the thing, the one thing that I will say with Auburn is that they do play extremely fast pace, and that leads to them being able to get out to big leads, right, and being able to get out on these runs and get out and run. But going back to that Alabama game, yes, they did win that game. Yes, they were playing extremely fast and extremely well, but there was a point when they were up 15 in that game, and I'm not saying they want to change their play style, but they kept playing fast and the shots weren't falling and turnovers were happening and Alabama was getting back on the other end and they were able to get buckets on their end. And this, and all of a sudden that lead evaporated and that game got extremely close. So yes, it's great that they can play up tempo. That's when they are playing their best, but there are times when up tempo is not the way to go. And for some reason in the back of my head, that's something that scares me with Auburn. The fact is that they won't be able to change their play style if you need to. I just like the balance of Gonzaga. And like we talked, we said so many times before, when it all matters, they're going to be there in the end. We know they're going to get there with a top seed. And and I think they get to bring their young guys along. I think they're going to get their freshmen along, guys along. I th- they're going to be able to bring Silas and these guys along and get them quality minutes during this time to get them ready, f- you know, for the, the tournament and to respond. I, I can't agree with you right now from a resume standpoint, but let's give – you know, Gonzaga's been tested. They've tried to play some games, COVID and everything else, you know, kind of shut like it is. It's, it's changed college basketball in that aspect with the scheduling. But, again, their younger guys are going to get their reps early. And when it comes to tournament, like Chet, Chet's going to be better. He's going to be a lot better come come into February, March, and April. He'll be better then than he is right now. He'll physically grow just like Jabari's going great. These younger guys are doing great things, but I, I can't question what they'll be in March. I know they'll be there in the end at a one or two seed. We're on Sirius XM channel 84. It's Field of 68 after dark. John Fanta, Carter Elliott, Randolph Childress. It's great to be with all of you on Sirius XM, our debut week here on Field of 68 after dark. We are presented as always by Bet Rivers. And we're talking about Auburn's big win over Georgia, a blowout win. Chris comments into the show and says Auburn by 10 Saturday, which Chris is referring to a big one, Auburn and Kentucky. Wildcats got by, uh, well, tonight they, they were involved in, in what was, I mean, a ball game. Just another night in the SEC, but Kentucky comes away with a 64-58 to 58 win over Texas A&M. So let's go with where the fans are going. That's where we take you on after dark. Carter Elliott, Auburn or Ty Ty Washington and Kentucky on Saturday? <laughs> Oh, man, I I definitely don't think it's going to be a 10-point game for Auburn. And I'm actually going to lean Kentucky in this game because I think that, yeah, I'm going to lean Kentucky. I think that Auburn's been playing extremely well. 
Uh, I think that Kentucky tonight, they took their best shot from a Texas A&M team that basically has won, I think, 15 games up until this point with zero quad one wins. So they knew that coming into this game that this was like their Super Bowl. They needed this win if they wanted to make a serious resume for the tournament. Unfortunately, they weren't able to pull that out. Kentucky was able to take their best shot, had to deal with some Ty Ty Washington foul trouble. But, you know, I, I just think this this Kentucky team, when they're going, it just looks it looks really good. Severe Wheeler dishing the ball. Oscar to is an absolute monster. If Kellen Grady's knocking down shots, this is a really tough team to beat. And then at the end of the day, you also have Ty Ty Washington on your team, who's a lottery pick. So I think I'm going to get I'm going to get Kentucky to, to, to edge out this game. Ooh. R.C.? I'm definitely not going Kentucky. I'm going with Auburn. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know it's funny because we talked about it tonight. I mean, we the question, the big one of the bigger questions we had with Kentucky is point guard play, right? Okay. And Severe Willer had what eight turnovers tonight. He had eight turnovers again tonight. You're not beating quality teams like that with your point guard having eight turnovers. And the other thing is, is Grady. He's he's either hitting them or he's miss. I mean, he's breaking them. And tonight he didn't make many. And if you find a game where he is struggling, then you're really just handing that ball off to Tata saying Curry is home, and that's not going to be enough against a, an opponent like Auburn. So that's my that's my concern with that in that matchup. Hmm. You know, here's the thing about Kentucky: it, they need to just let Ty Ty Washington be Ty Ty Washington, which yes. is what we've seen here recently. Bingo. You, you can't have your offensive system be designed around anybody else. And I think Cal is trying his best to make everything coexist. At the end of the day, though, the guy that's going to win you games in March is your stud freshman. And you need to let him play through it all. Severe Wheeler is an up-and-down roller coaster. They got the very good Severe Wheeler against Tennessee. At the end of the day, there's a reason why Severe Wheeler's transferring in the first place. There are ups and downs to who he is and to what his game is. So, look, I think Kentucky is emerging. I do think they could get a taste of reality against Auburn. Uh, quickly here, quickly here, Randolph, biggest opposition to Auburn in the SEC for the SEC title. Who would you say? I'm going to go LSU. Yeah, okay. Even, even after a loss tonight? Even after a loss, to I was more I was more impressed with LSU tonight than I was before. I mean, we can get into them later. I mean, I I I I was impressed with them in a loss. I mean, you yeah. losing days doing that without Pinson. I mean, they're losing. You know, imagine if they had Adam Miller. I mean, you know, I know he's gone for the year, but I I, I was impressed with LSU even in a loss sure. tonight. Carter, quickly, just your one word answer: Who who could be the biggest contestant? Uh, Auburn, Kentucky Wildcats. Hmm. Interesting. Tell you what, that makes for a very interesting Southeastern Conference race. LSU went down tonight to Alabama. And we've got Javon Quinterly, the Crimson Tide, the Jelly Fam star, coming up next here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Thanks for staying up with us, College Hoops fans. It's Field of 68 after dark. You guys are clear. Yeah, I was. Man, I was, RC, I, was impressed with I, I can't, I oh, can't hey. believe you trust. Hey, we're still on. I totally forgot. We're still on video, even during our breaks. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I, we have I, I we have questions. We it's Q and A time. Let's do it. Um, My bad. 
Alan Bykowski says Villanova was 42 and one at the Finn since the Big East reformation. Uh, toughest conference road venue in the nation, bar none. Not Cameron, not Fog, not the Kennel. Go Marquette. Uh, Liam says, I will once again say, unlike UConn Twitter fans, I am not upset like a Villanova fan. Also, Jacob M said, <laughs> talk about Florida. Uh, any thoughts about Florida, guys, overall? I think, they're a, a, I think they'll make the tournament. I don't know. I, I worry about their offense. Yeah, I don't think they're going to yeah. make the tournament. Wow. I, I I think they'll make the tournament, but they don't have that, that dynamic guard. Like last year, I point to Trayshawn Mann being that dynamic guy. Applebee's hit big shots for them this year, but I don't think he's like a go-to guy. Kyle Castleton's Kyle a great player, but it just this the talent level just doesn't do it for me with this Florida team this year. Where would they finish in SEC? Uh, maybe sixth. Maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe, maybe like seven, seven, eight, ten seconds. <laughs> That's my point. All right, <laughs> going live in five. The serious here right now. Three, two, one. Back here on a wild Wednesday night in college basketball. It is Field of '68 after dark here on Sirius XM Channel 84. Thanks for staying up late with us, everybody. John Fanta. Randolph Childress, Carter Elliott with you deep into a college hoops night. And let's talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide coming away with a win over LSU, 70 to 67. Your instant takeaway cart on the Crimson Tide finding a way. Uh, that's, that's, that sums it up right there. Finding a way they needed this win. Um, you know, they had a team coming in at LSU who's one of the best defensive teams in the country. Uh, this is a team that's been struggling on offense as of late, both shooting and also being able to take care of the ball and not turning it over. Uh, so it was a really much needed win for Alabama. I think it was a good situation for them being able to be a good LSU team and playing them at home. So they needed this, uh, they needed this win really bad. Randolph, your biggest thoughts about how the Crimson Tide pulled this out. Javon Quinterly comes in off the bench. Jaden Shackelford with a 20-plus point game performance. Just another night for Jaden Shackelford. And and that guard duo, even LSU's defense, one of the best defenses in America, they had trouble containing those two guys. And Alabama gets what was a much-needed win. Their style of play just gives you so much trouble. Those guys play with so much confidence. That you know they're going to shoot threes. They're going to defend. They're going to play hard. It was a hard-fought game. I mean, I, and like I said, I, I was equally impressed with LSU. I know they lost, and, and, and you, you, know, you don't apologize for winning in that league. They're both sitting 3-3 three and three right now, and Alabama has had two of the more impressive wins during the season. We talked about that in the past, and so it's good to see them get back. I mean, we were talking like they were a favorite to win the SEC at one point. Now we've kind of slid off that, but – they needed to win. They, it's a home game for them. They came in. They were struggling a little bit. So this was something that they had to have. But I was honestly more impressed with LSU. I mean, losing days. He only played 12 minutes with it. They, they had, you know, they, don't, they lost. They still don't have Xavier Pinson back. He'll be coming back soon. Again, their defense carries. And for them to come into that, you know, to, to Alabama and play the way they played, I was just really impressed with them. Keon Ellis made two free throws with five seconds left to help secure this win. I think Keon Ellis is as big of a a glue guy for this team with what they lost with Herb Jones from last year. They've needed Ellis's versatility, the defensive capabilities that he has. He goes for 12 points and eight rebounds, but 
you can't talk about Alabama's success, RC, without talking about who Keon Ellis is to Nate Oates' group. He's the closer for him. I mean, if you notice late game situations, they're putting the ball in his hand to make plays, to close games on the free throw line. He's the guy. So he's the glue guy, but you can tell from the way they play and how they use him. He's the guy that Coach Oaks trusts the most. And that, that says a lot. On both on both ends of the floor, by the way, Absolutely. like if, not only on off, like we we talk about Quinterly and Shackelford, and those those are the guards that you know the they're, they're they're who you bring up first when you bring up Alabama guards. But when it's winning time, like RC said, or it's time to get a stop, or it's time to get a board, you can bet anything you got in your pockets that number fourteen is going to make a play. Like that is he wants the moment too. Like he wants to make the shot, he wants to get the stop. Doesn't matter who he has to guard. He just wants to make a play to win the basketball game, and I mean that's what he does. Man, Alabama's a basketball school too, y'all. <laughs> it is. Nate Oates has him going. He he really does. And and they needed this one tonight. They got it. And Javon Quinterly, so instrumental with 17 points. And he joined us from the locker room after a big win for the Tide. Alabama 70, LSU 67 as the Crimson Tide get a big win in Tuscaloosa. And we are joined by their star, Javon Quinterly, who had 17 points in the victory. And Javon, congrats on this win. What did it come down to for you and the Tide? Uh, you know, it was a real, real scrappy game for us. Um, you know, losing three games in a row is tough. Uh, we needed to make an adjustment. So um, definitely getting this dub tonight. You know, it feels good. Get our confidence going again you know, get us back on the right track. Uh, it was a real scrappy, sloppy game, but, you know, I'm, I'm just happy we got the win. On the defensive end of the floor, that's something that I know Coach Oates is always stressing. It has to be that calling card. Tell me what goes into that style that you guys are able to play, that toughness that has become synonymous with Alabama. Yeah, you know, uh, we get up and down the court. Um, so with that being said, you know, we shoot a lot of threes. We got to sprint back and, you know, we got to, we got to stop teams in transition. You know, that's something big that, um, you know, he's really emphasized these last couple of weeks is, um, you know, after we get a, a good look on, on the offensive end, whether we make or miss it, we got to, we got to sprint back. We got to stop jogging. And, um, you know, I feel like we answered, we answered the bell tonight, um, on that end, uh, you know, we second half, we shot zero for 15 from three, you know, that's real unlike us, but. You know, we were able to get some some key stops in the second half. And, um, you know, that's that, that's what really what made the game for us. So, I covered you a little bit when you first came on the scene at Villanova. Mm-hmm. And, and at Alabama, you have truly found that home. Why has Alabama been perfect for you? Um, you know, not to knock. Coach Wright and uh, my Villanova brothers, because I still speak with them, you know, religiously. And, um, you know, I still use things to this day that I learned from, from Coach Wright and the staff. But, you know, here at Alabama, I'm just able to play a little bit more freely. Um, you know, I'm able to, you know, kind of use my moves to be guys off the dribble. And, um, you know, that's something that was big for me and my success in high school. And, you know, um, just being a, a big name in high school, you know, I was able to, you know, kind of use my game to be guys off the dribble and, and create offense 
And, um, you know, that's something that I, I got here at, at Alabama. And, you know, my jump shot is something I really worked on, even though I'm struggling a little bit this year from three. Um, you know, that's something that I really I really uh, worked on in the offseason. And even my redshirt year, like, I was just shooting, shooting the three ball a lot. So kind of with the way coach wants us to play, threes and layups, you know, not too much mid-range, even though, you know, I believe, I believe in the mid-range, but um, not something we look for here. You know, uh, you know, I really found a home here. And, uh, you know, Coach Oates and, and the staff believes in me. And, uh, you know, the feeling's always mutual. So I'm just glad I, I found a, a coach staff that, you know, believes in me. And, um, you know, I'm able to do what I did pretty much in high school and, and bring that to the college level. You say that feeling is mutual. So we read, we talk about why Nate Oates is one of the, the great risers in college basketball, the way he sprung onto the scene. He's one of the best coaches in the sport. Give us something behind the scenes that people don't see every day in Tuscaloosa that reflects just what makes him so good. What makes you believe in him? You know, coach is always riding with his guys. Um, you know, these last couple of games, I haven't part particularly been playing well individually. And, um, you know, he, he hasn't lost confidence in me at all. I know I came off the bench tonight. That was something that we agreed on together. Um, you know, I, I was real successful in that role last year. And, uh, you know, Coach Oates, he, he, he's never lost confidence in me. Um, you know, even sometimes when I get down on myself, you know, he, he's somebody that's he's, he's going to come up to me and say, like, you, I know you're going to turn this around. And, um, you know, just stay in the gym. Like, you work too hard for your work not to show out there. So, you know, just having that in the coach, you know, that, that goes, uh, you know, that goes a really long way. And, uh, you know, that's what, I look, that, that's what I was always looking for, um, you know, in a college coach somebody that just believes in me, even when I'm not particularly playing well. It's impressive to hear that, that you were able to manage through coming in off the bench. Uh, what was that discussion like? Um, you know, it was, like I said, it was like, it was mutual. I know we needed to change. I know I could provide, you know, a positive spark off the bench like I did last year with, um, with the team that we had. And, um, you know, I just felt like, it, it would it would do it would do us good tonight and um you know I wanted to get a feel for it and um you know it it it, it played in my favor because I was you know I wasn't particularly shooting the ball well these last couple of games so um you know I just wanted to try something different something for the team and you know I just want to win basketball games at the end of the day so I don't care if I start or come off the bench I'm sorry no worries Javon uh, I wanted to to get your thoughts because you and Jaden Shackelford make up one of the best one-two punches in a backcourt in college basketball. What's your best, putting you on the spot here, Jaden Shackelford story. Give us something about Shaq. On or off the court? <laughs> Take us off the court. My <laughs> guys, he's the clown. He's the jokester. Uh, you know, he's, his, he's a roommate. So, you know, we're together all the time. But one of my favorite moments, I'm going to be honest with you, was probably the sweet, sweet, was it the round of, it was the Maryland game last year in the tournament when he hit, he hit a three to go up. I, I don't even know. We were hitting so many threes that game, but he hit a three and it just, man, the, the place went crazy. And, you know, last year, it wasn't really a lot of fans in the, in the, in the arena. So just to hear like our fans go crazy after he hit the three, it was just a really good experience. I passed the ball to him too. So you know, I set him up for it. And, um, you know, that was a really good, really good moment between us two. And, you know, that's my, that's my guy. That's my roommate, you know. Um, 
you know, we just, that's my brother. So just happy, happy he's, he's on the right track. And, you know, we pushing each other to, you know, try and win another SEC championship. And that brotherhood is strong, Javon, and uh, very happy for you and your success. Congratulations on the performance and a big win over a tough LSU team. Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you, John. I appreciate it. Well, we appreciate the time from Javon Quinterly as Alabama, a narrow win tonight over LSU, a critical game for both teams and the tie, get it done in Tuscaloosa. Very, very nice to be joined by JQ. And and I love the willingness of him to come in off the bench here this evening. It's Sirius XM Channel 84. We are Feel the 68 After Dark on this Wednesday night, night three of our premiere week here on Sirius XM Channel 84. I'm John Fanta. Carter Elliott is with us. R.C. Randolph Childress is with us. And after R.C., a wild Tuesday night in the Atlantic (laughs) Coast Conference, Leonard Hamilton, the Merlot of college basketball. With age, he just gets better. Uh, Wednesday night delivering as well. The the point, the sport is so healthy right now. Transfer portal. I I think it's leveled. I think it's balanced it a lot. I think it's taken the bench from, you know, the bench play. We talked about it earlier. So many of the high major programs don't have a bench. Like Villanova tonight only played seven guys. You know, a lot of programs are struggling uh, uh, to, to get bench production and, those guys have transferred out. There's a lot of parity in the sport and, and college basketball from a quality of, of playing standpoint, it, it, it's, it's in a, it's in a good place. Yeah. It's enjoy. It's enjoyable to watch. And, right. you know, depth is so important in basketball at any level. And because I am a former basketball player, I got to take my time right now to lash out at referees <laughs> and stripes. Uh, you know, with the way that stripes are calling games this year, it's so easy for players to catch up with two, or catch two fouls in the first half. So you got to be able to have some guy coming off the bench and pick up the slack because, you know, with the way college basketball is, two fouls is uh, it's, it's almost an auto bench. So you got to be able to have depth. That's what the great teams have. If we point out the great teams in college basketball, depth is going to be something they have. So it's, it's definitely got to be a focal point, and people can use the transfer portal to build that depth. To your point, did you notice today in the Alabama game that LSU was whistled for 25 fouls? 25 fouls. <laughs> Like that's yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you on, though. Man. They they they, hey, they earned some they earned some oh, of the no, no, no. They, <laughs> they, they, they earned them in that game. But, but Alabama gets their money worth as well. It's not like oh they, yeah, they, oh, they yeah. Lay, yeah. Come on now, twenty five oh, to ten is oh, tough. Oh. Twenty five. Oh, there was some home cook. There was some home cooking on that one, especially that goal ten tall. I know why I blew up, so I knew Will Wade was gonna blow up. I was like, man, come on now, go get your money's worth, Will. I like it. A questionable call late in the Rutgers-Iowa game that led Ron Harper Jr. to winning it for the Scarlet Knights. A wild game that was decided in the 40s. Total rock fight in Jersey, how it should be, right off the Jersey turnpike. And Rutgers is 5-2 five five and two and two. in the Big Ten. 5-2 uh, and two in the Big Ten. Who saw that coming? Didn't see it. I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to say I saw it coming, but I did go to Big Ten Media Day, and Steve Peichel had me convinced that this team was going to be something special. I was sipping on the Cliff uh, Omarui Kool-Aid, the Geo Baker coming back. 
O'Connell's one of the best two-way players in the Big Ten that no one really knows about. And they got Ron Harper Jr., who's an absolute bucket at any time. So I like the way the team was made up. They got out to an extremely slow start. But they do have the talent to beat teams on any given night. Like when you have that you know, that many play, I mean, they got bucket getters. So at any game, they could win a basketball game. Hmm. Well, five and two in the Big Ten, they beat Iowa. It's Jersey Mike Serena, but it'll always be the rack to us. Uh, and Rutgers gets it done. Iowa, tell you what, that, that's a team with Keegan Murray that that I liked. I've liked what I've seen, but uh, that's a tough pill to swallow losing tonight at Rutgers. We might get into the Big Ten here as we go down the stretch, that epic Illinois-Purdue game to kick off the week. And who's our dream Final Four? We'll ask Randolph Childress and Carter Elliott next. It's Feel the 68 After Dark on Sirius XM channel 84 stay with us nice clear all right we got questions Let's do after it. dark afters is coming up too uh after midnight favorite mid-major team and why i mean i'll, I'll go with Loyola chicago uh because i'm amazed at just how consistent they remain they don't need any one part to be great they're so balanced they're efficient offensively they they're they shoot the ball 50%. I mean, they shoot 50% from the field. Favorite mid-major team, RC? I don't consider them mid-major. You got to do something. I, I, I can't give you mid-major with them. They're, they're, they're basically top 25 in the country. Like them, VCU, like Richmond, there's certain programs. I, I, they're high major to me. Like, you know, I, I'm, I can't give you the, 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 the mid-major. Bring me down then. Okay. Who you got? Oof. I'm going to hmm. – I'm going to go eat low. I like Liberty. Uh, hey, uh, Coach McKay's really good there. I like uh, they, Liberty. They run great, great stuff. They run great 30 stuff. 30 seconds. Liberty. Card? And Darius McGee's an absolute bucket. Oh, uh, he's a bucket. I, how you want it? Ooh. How you want it? <laughs> how you Ooh. want it? Man, he's a bucket. <laughs> I can't say Loyola because every After Dark episode, I mean, I'm a personal <laughs> friend of Drew Valentine. I love Loyola, but I'm going to go Davidson because they have – Five guys who shoot 50% from the field and five guys who shoot over 40% from three. So, and they run great offense and McKillop is a great coach. So hey, briefly to the Q and a Cleveland state Vikings could win the horizon league again. Watch out for for Cleveland state. Oakland's winning the horizon league. Feel the 68 after dark Sirius XM channel 84 on a Wednesday night in college basketball that gave us a taste of what we'll see in March. John Fanta, Carter Elliott, Randolph Childress, RC, is with us tonight. And man, man, right now you probably could make an argument, folks, for a double-digit number of teams that are capable of winning the national championship. That argument aided by the fact of Baylor losing two home games last week, by the fact of Illinois emerging all of a sudden and almost in a loss, still showing us a whole heck of a lot of good against Purdue. Purdue's in the picture. Gonzaga's in the picture. Auburn's very much in the picture. Villanova's not out of that picture. This is a deep, deep race. And so with that, it might not be the way that we see how the Final Four will shake up, but I asked you gentlemen this morning, your dream Final Four, meaning the four teams you dream of seeing 
making up that field in New Orleans. RC, what would be your dream final four? All right, stay with me. It won't be much of a surprise because in my final four would be the reigning national champions and the runner-ups. Okay. But I, I, I like it because even though I know Baylor's dropped two games, I still think, again, their ability to defend, they'll be a tough out when it matters. And their point guard play is, is as good as anybody in the country. So I think they'll, they'll be right there. I think they'll respond. I'm not worried about the two losses. I, I didn't envision them going undefeated at all. But I would like to see the freshmen go at it again, except I would like to see in the Final Four, I want Gonzaga and, and, and on Auburn playing. I want Jabari and Chet. I want to see that matchup. We've already seen it with Paulo. And I would want to see, obviously, Coach K, you know, story last year. You know, you want to see, you know, we've all seen Paulo, Ben Carroll. We know how talented he is. But for the sake of Coach K, he, you know, we throw that GOAT title out a lot. And he is the go the greatest college coach of all time. And, and I, it would be fitting for him to, to at least make the Final Four. I wouldn't have them winning a natty, but I, I, I'd like to see him get a Final Four. Card. Right. I'm I'm disappointed in RC for not somehow sliding Wake Forest in there. You had the opportunity. You ruined Final it. Four? You didn't want to, I, yeah, man. Oh, oh, you're not. Oh, you think Michigan State's not in mine? I'm just saying. No, I'm kidding. I, I, but <laughs> no, nah, I'm I'm messing with you. Okay, I'm going, I'm going Gonzaga as well. Uh I'm going Duke because I need that star power there. I'm going Auburn as well. And then my final team represents the Purdue Boilermakers, they get over the hump. They make the Final Four. I'm trying to see Jaden Ivey, Trayvon, Travion Williams, Zach Eady in a Final Four. It's their time. I think they had the makings for it. It's, it's, it's their time to get there. All right. My dream Final Four does not involve either of the teams in the national championship game last year. You had your stand on the stage. Right. So here are the four teams that I think could be a dream Final Four in college basketball. Number one, everybody's favorite guy. Nobody has a bad thing to say about him. Matt Painter and Purdue. The star power of Jaden Ivey. I need to see the sharpshooting of the Purdue Boilermakers on display at the Final Four. I need to see Stefanovic just get on a heater in New Orleans because that's the kind of player he is and he was against Illinois this earlier this week. I need to see Zach Eady in a Final Four. The man is a literal tree. And I love the way he was talking earlier this week against Illinois. Stephen Bardo did a great job on that broadcast of saying when Zach Eady walked into Purdue, he didn't say a word to anybody. And now he's talking to everybody. I love that. So Purdue would be a feel-good story. Number two, I'd love to see Jabari Smith on the final four stage with that guard play of Auburn. I, I just think that that would be fascinating in so many ways. Their style, the coaching power of Bruce Pearl, the depth that they have, not just Walker Kessler as a rim protector, but how about Dylan Cardwell, who combined with Kessler for nine blocks tonight. They, they have what it takes. So Auburn would be number two for me. Number three, guys, I'm going to go out west. Great fan base. You know, I, I think of, of I think of Coach Olsen. No, I'm going with Arizona. Wow. I, Arizona in a Final Four would be really, really fantastic for college hoops. It, it's, it's kind of a gold mine that needs to get unlayered because they've been through some dark times here in recent years. 
Imagine Arizona with the ultimate comeback story and Benedict Matherin, who is a stud and a half. He's a stud. He's, He's a lottery. stud. Could you see Ben Matherin on one side and Zach Eady on the other? <laughs> Woo! Be a great game. Yeah. Be a great game. Be a great game. So Arizona's three for me. And then number four, like, RC, you said it. It's it, we, we toss around the word goat and legend. There are some college basketball fans that because of like they don't like the Yankees in baseball, they hate Duke. And and it's I hate them. <laughs> let's be clear. I hate them. I've hated them yeah. for a long time. So let's be clear. <laughs> but I'm hell. also I'm also respectful of what that man has done and he has been the greatest to do it. But what what would it do for college basketball if in his last ride with Paolo Bancaro, with Wendell Moore, uh, with Mark Williams, the physical presence that he is, um, you know, you hope that Trevor Keels is okay here and he keeps it going. I, I really love watching them play. They remind me of 1990s, early 2000s Duke. Imagine Coach K walking into the Superdome for a final act. Oh. It'll well, be, first it'll of all, be fans, like, you just name you just named the worst Duke. You want us to get on board with you? You talking about look at look at them like the nineteen ninety team? That just make me hate them more. <laughs> that's where the hate. That's where the hate came from. Yeah. I, I'll be fine with I'll be fine with them getting there. But it'll be I'm not gonna lie. It'll definitely bring a little inner smile to me watching the confetti come down and Coach K walking off sad. I'm sorry. Now I didn't say they, they're is. winning it. But I, I, I would love to see him get that, that last hurrah, that walk-off spotlight. Uh, uh, I think he's deserving of that. But I will say this about you guys, Purdue pick. My, and I've said this all along. My only concern about Purdue is they're talented. I, I think they very well will, will uh, win the Big Ten. But two of their three best players play the same position. Yeah. And, I, and that, that concerns me with them. It's just it's it's one or the other. It's Zach Eady or it's Travion Williams. It's one or the other. They, they cannot play together, and that that bothers me about them. And I like the versatility in what they do. I mean, you're strong, but again, name me another team that has that problem where where they can't play. Arguably, their two best players or two of their best three can't play together. Mm. Mm. Like that concerns me with them. Come tournament time, yeah. We're off Sirius XM Channel 84 in about a minute, so a parting shot here tonight. Your, your star of the night, RC. Who's your star of the night in college basketball? My star tonight, I got to go with Justin Lewis. Ooh, he was great. Yeah, I mean, how do you not go with him? He was great. I mean, big-time performance for him, 21.7 rebounds, had the game-winning shot. Carter quickly, a star of the night in college hoops. Give him another star, Justin Lewis. That, that, that is what it is. You beat Villanova, he deserves all the stars. Fanny, you should give him one, too. It should be three for three. Folks, the Marquette Golden Eagles are back, and so is Shaka Smart. Marquette, the story of the night. They beat Villanova at the Finner Pavilion for the first time in 10 tries, and Marquette has won five in a row, folks. They are an emerging program, and they get the headliner of the evening. For Randolph Childress and Carter Elliott, this is John Fanta saying so long on Sirius XM Channel 84 for the Field of 68 After Dark. All right. 
Feel the 68 after dark afters. It's, are you ready? Buckle up. Let's do Carter it. Elliott's going to break through midnight here on this very platform. I don't know what to expect. Oh, boy. It could go either. It could go either way. I'm not gonna lie to you. Could go good. Could go bad. Depending on how you're looking at it. All right, we got stuff here. Uh, the afters. Uh, Squirrel says Goodman would be even more unbearable if Arizona was in the Final Four. I agree with that. That would be yeah. I I, I couldn't disagree with that at all. Good. How wait, Goodman can be more unbearable. He will. <laughs> Are we sure that level can be reached? I don't know. Hey, I'm just saying. I've, it depends who they're asking. Yeah. Ryan Reed says Wisconsin's in this thing. Ride Johnny Davis to the Final Four. Uh, okay, I I actually disagree. I don't think they're a Final Four team. At some point, I think Johnny Davis has an off game, and I think in a close game somebody gets Wisconsin. I don't think Wisconsin's a Final Four team. I think they're closer to a Sweet Sixteen than they are to a Final Four. I'm serious. That's just my opinion. I think Wisconsin's the second best team in the Big in the Big Ten right now because. I don't think it's just Johnny Davis right now. I think Tyler Wall's starting to come on, play extremely well. Brad Davidson's having quietly a really, really good year. He's been timely with the shots that he's hitting. And, you know, even I would even point to the Northwestern game. Like, Johnny Davis got his points, but I would technically call that an off night for him. Like, he Chase Aldige made him work extremely hard for all his buckets. Uh, and I think they're starting to get some contributions from other guys. I think that people need to just stop. Yeah, I know it's hard to, not, to like Wisconsin. I admit it. I struggle liking Wisconsin, but they are that good. They're really good this year. They're good this year, and they're not the second best team in the Big Ten. But they're good, and 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 I I I I can't get I can't agree with you. I can't disagree with you. Johnny Davis is the real deal. Like he is as good as any guard in the country right now, playing wise. And give him his give him his dues. I mean, but but again, I I think they need more help from him. I think there's going to be more teams going to scheme him more, and I think he's going to he's going to need more help consistently. Who is the second best team in the Big Ten? Are we saying Purdue's the best? Yeah. I'm going to go with Illinois right now. Look, okay, so I I think that that they could end up being um, that. Yes. I think I think it's a fair answer. Yes. My they one will concern, be. I should say that. Yeah. My one concern is. Kofi Coburn, to me, uh, as much as he is a guy that they need to be successful, he sometimes can be their own worst enemy, if that makes sense sometimes. Like, the foul trouble the other day, it ended up being a good thing because it opened things up for them, and Verdonk ended up coming into that game and making an impact. But, like, I- I've seen Kofi Coburn get beat by by other bigs, and Zach Eady beat him. Zach Eady beat Kofi Coburn the other day. And so I kind of go, go back and forth. I think he's a dominant presence, but I don't think he's a great defender by any means. I, I really don't. And when you hinge on that, when you hinge on Coburn so much and defensively he's flawed, that's where I get worried about the fighting Illini. Yeah. yeah and, 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 go ahead. No, I was just going to comment. I think one of the most telling things for me, looking back on that Illinois game, it wasn't for the fact that Zach Eady just kind of shut down Kofi and what he did. It was that point in the second half where Kofi was getting shut down and he got frustrated. And then he gets two quick fouls that were pointless. Then he has to sit on the bench for the rest of the half. 
His body language wasn't the best on the bench. It's just a, it's a thing with Kofi that he's such a dominant and physical force. But when you have somebody like Zach Eady, who's like, I can meet your physicalness and I can meet what you're doing physical wise dominating, then he kind of was just lost. If he can't overpower you, then what's he really doing? He's not really able, he doesn't really have a counter if he can't overpower you. We see this all the time, though, when guys get into a matchup, right? They, they, you hear all week long, you're playing against this guy in your position and you want to go and you want to go at him. Things didn't go his way. He got frustrated with fouls. And Zach Eady is his kryptonite. He's, a, he's not the most athletic guy. He's a big physical guy. And the last thing you want is this long, tall, seven-foot-plus guy that, that can hold his ground against you. But again, we talked about it before. When you flip it and he goes out, then you got to deal with Travion Williams. So it's there's not a, a second off in a game like that. He you know that's a that's a difficult matchup for him. But again, their guard play now, you know that that can take them deep. I mean, you're talking about only a few programs that's going to be able to put three guards on the floor the way they can. Like them, maybe Miami. Mm-hmm. I mean that that that's gonna you know those are teams that you you know you put him in there and now he's going to get easier buckets now. Cabello's back. You know you, you're going to get easier shots. And, and they, they, they shoot the three. They're going to defend. I, I'm not worried about them in the end. I think they'll be there. But, but which, which Curbelo is back, though? That's the only thing. I, well, when I say get back, his decision-making was on display right now. He's going to need time. Oh, yeah. He's been out. I mean, but, but his decision-making, ability to get to the rim, he came in in that game against Purdue, and, and, and he was a closer. Like, yes, he no, was. No one, no one expected that from him this early. So he's only going to get better. Now, the only question I have with him is that he's going to have to shoot a – can he get the 30, low 30% from three? Can he make a couple of open threes? After that, look out. I mean, because he's going to get wherever he wants to get on the floor. He's going to get easier shots from everyone else on that team. The healthier he gets, the better his conditioning gets. I think he'll be that guy when it comes – if he's healthy. All right, we got more questions. I want to get to uh, Jacob Petruzzi after this one. Connor Sanders says, do y'all believe in Miami at all? They're playing really well right now. Well, they're 14 and four. They're six and one in the Atlantic Coast Conference. RC, do you believe in Miami? I do. I think they got the three probably best guards in the country playing. I mean, I know everyone is down on the ACC, but they're legit. I mean, they, they very well should have been undefeated. Florida State got them, you know, close game, clutch game. They came up big, had a shot to win it. But I tell you, I mean, Wong, you know, Isaiah Wong and, and, and you know, Magusti and, and, and Charlie Moore can flat out do it. And they're playing small ball. And that's, you know, so that's what the toughest matchup with Carolina. They, they, that, that game against Carolina was a joke. I mean, that was a 30-point game for the most part. And you try to match them playing small ball – Good luck with that. So I think they can be overpowered if you got a dominant big, and there's some dominant bigs out there. But again, he's going to be in ball screens 40 minutes, chasing on the perimeter, having a hedge and help those guys. And they're just going to rotate the guy because they're not dependent upon one guy. And all three of those guards have been there. Like they're all upperclassmen. I mean, Charlie Moore has been in college for forever. So they there's nothing they haven't seen. They're not going to fear anybody. That's a, that's the type of team. Like they just did. They win the Cameron and they got to dub it and they got to win at Duke because they're not scared of anybody. They have been there. And like RC said, 
a team can overpower them, but you do not want to play the same style as Miami. Because if you try to, you end up like Hubert in the gang and lose by 40. Like <laughs> that's what happened last night. They tried to beat Miami at Miami's game and it backfired big time. So, you know, you, you got guard play like that. You give yourself a chance to win. They're going to be in every game. Yep. Oh, yeah. And Isaiah Wong's big time. I mean, he, he's a big time player and tough as hell too. Yeah. It has only, yeah, and it, and is a pure example of a guy who's kind of been through the the fight, has gone through some tougher times in his career. I thought Wardenberg really hand like helped them quite a bit in the win over North Carolina. He gets cooking, and that's where playing small. Sometimes when you play that way, RC, you don't know exactly who it's going to come from. But by, but by playing small, it can open things up for other guys, and that's why those guards are so in sync right now. And, and look how he shot the ball. Look how Wardenberg shot the ball last game. I mean, if, if he's a threat shooting in front of perimeter, and that's just going to open the paint up even more, good luck guarding those guys. Man, that's, Cause that you, is – Because you're in rotation is, the whole night. <laughs> that's, that's a big man's worst nightmare. You oh, got to no. show or hedge off a screen with guards like Magusty, Moore, and Wong coming off. And you got to recover to a high hand to a shooter like what like that's that's frustrating. One, you get tired. Two, you get discouraged. It's just terrible all the way around. They're dictating. They're dictating the defense is what they're going to do because when he's shooting like that, you got to switch it. There's there's no showing yeah. or, or hedging and getting back. You just got to switch. And name me a big man that you want to put out there to switch on those guards. That, that that's not going to happen. Like good luck. Yeah. Good luck with that philosophy. Sounds like foul trouble to me. <laughs> we got a couple more questions. Trent Z asks, biggest takeaway from Texas A&M and Kentucky? Well, I would say here that beyond Henry Coleman III, Texas A&M really, I wasn't sure what they were going to get offensively tonight, and and their offense stumbled, uh, especially late in the game. But I'll say this, like for me, what does this say about Kentucky? They shot four of 18 from three. They really didn't play well offensively. And one of the things that we've talked about with them is can they win a game in which they're going to have to grind it out? And tonight they they had to fight and they had to grind it out. That Texas A&M team doesn't have a great win, but they still had 14 of them heading into this game. So for me, Kentucky, it's hard. It's going to be hard to win road games in the Southeastern Conference this year. They found a way on a night that Ty Ty Washington didn't really play that well, but having Oscar Shibway cleans up quite a bit. <laughs> That's where I stand with that. Any any takeaway on UK? No, I I I don't have any. They this was Texas A and M Super Bowl. They they know they don't have any quad <laughs> one wins. It wasn't a big game for them, but they treated it as if it was that you know the NCAA game for them. And give them credit. I mean, they came out, they competed, they were right there at the end, uh, gave themselves a chance to win. They just didn't put it out. Kentucky didn't play well, and you know, Willa turned it over. Grady didn't make shots. Ty Ty didn't play great. You know, Big O didn't score much. He only had six points tonight. He rebounded 13. He had three, 13 boards tonight. They didn't play great, but again, it was enough. It was enough to, 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 to get the win, and you got to give him credit for that. It was an ugly win, but it's the win you got to have. Yeah, last, th- last thing I'm going to say with Kentucky, I like to keep basketball simple sometimes, and I like what Severe Wheeler does for this team. But at the end of the day, I think I want the ball in my lottery picks hands in Ty Ty Washington. And it'd be nice to see him kind of take over the main point guard role with this team and just see what it does. But, uh, you know, good win for them. Like RC said, it was their Super Bowl. So they needed to come out 
take the best punch from AM and win this game. And they did. So at the end of the day, it's all that matters. All right, rapid fire here. We got a couple more and then we'll do toasts. Carter. We have a question in from Jacob who says, do you think UConn can win the Big East? Yes, I do. Because I believe in Sonogo and I believe in Hurley. <laughs> RC is shaking his head like he just walked into McDonald's and they said they were out of hamburgers. Yeah, that's like saying they out of fries. Even worse. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, you are out on them, huh? I just don't see it. I, I hate to disappoint you, Rob. I know you're probably listening right now. <laughs> I, I, I I know I'm disappointing you, but I I, I can't see it. I, I told you. I, watching them in late game situations, I just think they get predictable. I, mm. I I mean, you know, I don't. I didn't see a lot of guys wanting the basketball. Let me say that. I didn't mean it Ooh. from a not that they were predictable from a schematic standpoint. I just didn't see a lot of guys wanting the ball, and I'm I'm not. You know, I, I'm winning the big no, no. <laughs> Uh, okay, Nick says, which team outside the power of six will do the most damage come March? Man, I don't know. I I, I kind of – like, I think if Davidson keeps going, like, they got I, – I, I heard this correctly. They have five guys that are shooting 50% or better yeah, from the field. That, that's, what, that's why I'm picking Davidson. Five guys shooting 50% or better from the field and five guys shooting – 39% or better from three foster lawyers shooting 48%. And I think if they run into a team that's not disciplined enough to stick with them on offense, then they can burn a team really quick. So, and that, you know, they, there are no team wants to match up with them in the NCAA tournament. I'll tell you that. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Davidson red hot San Francisco, certainly up there. WCC is going to get a couple of teams in there that could be awfully dangerous. I treat the WCC though this year, it's on par with some of the power leagues that we're seeing. So we'll, we'll see how that evolves, but we're down the stretch. Better than the ACC. Yeah, it it is. Uh, Final thoughts here on field of 68 after dark afters, we hand out our, our toasts. Who do you want to toast tonight here? Cart. Oh, man. You know what? I actually want to send a toast to the Wisconsin Badgers and to Johnny Davis. I can't believe I'm doing this. I think they need more respect. I think they can win the Big Ten this year with the way it's shaking out. They can win the regular season title. Put some respect on Johnny Davis, Brad Davison, and the gang. Cheers to the Wisconsin Badgers. Can't believe I just said that. Cheers to Alondis Williams and the Wake Forest Demon Deacons going down to Georgia Tech tonight, getting the dub on the road. Cheers. But I oh, got to go. Also, I also got to go to Marquette, though, too, as well. I mean, that that that's – but I'm sticking with my Deeks. So we're going to go with that tonight. I'm going to be a homer tonight. So I don't have a drink, okay? <laughs> I, I just didn't – I didn't have time. Uh, I only have – this is a, a an inside joke on the Dowster, T.O., and Fanta podcast that, that we put out on Field of 68. They asked me for my favorite Christmas gift, and I haven't opened it yet but I still have it here on the very desk that I did the show when they asked me about it. So the first Christmas gift I opened from my girlfriend, which I don't know what, I didn't know what to think of it. Then I still don't know now was anti monkey, butt, anti friction powder. Okay. Now for, for gentlemen that are a little bit more frisky, uh, (laughs) That might have more experience on an offense. That might have more experience on an offensive line, if you will. 
ah. pulling, uh, pushing the sled. Ah. Uh, this, is, this is the type of stuff that really comes in handy and prevents you from feeling like garbage mm. uh, downstairs. Got so so I, that's all I have to toast with, but I'm going to toast a lot better than that uh, because the toast should be better than that. And I want to send a toast to Javon Quinterly down in Tuscaloosa because talking with him tonight, Javon Quinterly said that he was willing to come in off the bench after a conversation with NATO. NATO said, we got to shake things up, man. We got to shake things up. And Javon said, I know. And I think that sometimes coming in off the bench is, is something that a player in 2021 might look at and say, 2022 now, might look at and say, I'm not doing that. Like, screw that. That's not what I came here for. And I just, I love the fact that Javon Quinterly has found a home at Alabama because that guy got a lot of criticism in that it couldn't work at Villanova. And sometimes just because a program is viewed as really, really good, like Villanova, it doesn't mean that it's the perfect fit for everybody. So I toast Javon Quinterly and we appreciate him coming on the show tonight. Good stuff. I didn't have a drink. I'll bring one next time. I what like was the, the name? Don't, what was the you name do of that not, again? Do not use that friction powder. I'll tell you that right what, now. No, what was the name of it again? What are you talking about? It's called it's called anti monkey butt. Anti monkey uh, butt. Okay. Anti friction powder with calamine. Okay. You oh, know it's got calamine. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that is man. <laughs> hey, I'll tell you it, what. That's that's about as bad as did you guys watch the uh, lead up to the playoff game, and uh, Bart Scott said, said to tell. The take Buffalo some Viagra. Quarterback to take, Josh, Viagra. take some Viagra. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, man. That was oh, man. Well, <laughs> if you stayed up with us until 12, 16 a.m., we would encourage you to take some as well. That's the field of 68 after dark afters. Carter Elliott, Randolph Childress, our producer, Greg Waddell. I'm John Fanta. Good night, everybody. We're back at a Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.